Episode 3. Time does fly when you're in a pandemic. I went to the shops earlier and I've already seen mince pies on the shelves, which doesn't bode well. Anyway, the boring podcast waffle I want to get out of the way, which is, if you are enjoying it, please drop it a rating and subscribe if you want to hear more episodes, as there are loads on the way. But before we get there, I thought I'd stop off and say hi to this man. Musical director, arranger, supervisor and composer Nick Barstow. He was supervising and reorchestrating the musical production of Zorro at the Hope Mill in Manchester prior before lockdown. Myself and Nick first met over 10 years ago working on Lesser Curve production of His Dark Materials, where he was an actor puppeteer and I was a rather high-pitched deputy stage manager, if you can believe that. But no time to dilly-dally, time to tune in and listen to the man that brings music to the ears and makes it sound, oh, just so good. I'm just going to crack straight onto it. Um, Nick, I'm new to the industry, but I can play chopsticks on the piano and a bit of Three Blind Mice. How does one become, like you, a musical director, a composer, an arranger, a conductor, an all-round nice guy? I mean, it seems very difficult to me, but you've made it obviously look so easy. I don't think there is any one way of doing it. Like, if I were to say to someone, well, this is what I did it would probably be the wrong way to do it in that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went to university to do music because I was like, well, it's probably going to involve music at some point. And I then moved to London thinking, okay, that's where music happens. And I didn't really know what jobs existed, who employed who, where to find the work. I just kind of had this idea that I had to be in London first and then the work would sort of work it, work it out from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I started off, I ran a choir, which was reasonably successful for a few years. I did a lot of teaching and then I kind of got into theater as a musical director and stuff almost by accident. Cause I always loved to write music and I thought, great, I'm going to be a composer, but that's not something you tend to get employed as that often like if you're a composer you write the work yourself and then you find other people to put it on and that's how it works so no one wants no one wants a composer initially (laughs) but people like but people do want musical directors and because I'd run choirs I could play the piano I kind of had the skill set I just didn't know that the job existed so when I found the job I was like great this is clearly exactly what I would love to do and it just kind of went from there, really. And then of the ones I've listed, the director, the composer, the arranger, well, especially the uh, director, musical director, and the arranger, um, what are the differences between those roles? Because obviously in some productions, you'll find they're different people. Mm. Well, I tend to enjoy the productions where I get to do both, which is why I've done a lot of actor-musician stuff like Zorro, like Rags, which we just did the cast recording of, and like just so before that. So basically the arranger, in a nutshell, if the music for a show is not in the right version that the director or the producer wants to put on, say it's maybe a little bit too 80s, if that was when the show was originally put on, or if they think, you know, there's a really wonderful concept of this show with acting musicians, but obviously they're not gonna be playing the full pit parts because you cannot do that 
at the same time as moving around the stage, acting and singing. So someone has to come on board and work out how to rescore that show, staying faithful enough to the original music, but giving it a fresh spin to create the version that the producer and the directors want. So I enjoy it when you get to do both of those things, which is arrange it and then musical direct it, be in the rehearsal room, take it through to production. Yeah, we'll go on to the rehearsal room and your role in a bit. Um, so you've mentioned Zorro, you've mentioned about Rags. What other projects have you done uh, sort of recently or sort of, you know, in the, in the past that you're quite proud of? Well, so I, I enjoy arranging so much that I did a whole album of it, which I recorded and released last year and then did that as a live show as well and took that on a a very mini tour, but I'm calling it a tour because it was in more than one place. So absolutely, you know, it counts. That was, that was a tour, and um, <laughs> we went to we went on the Stages Floating Festival as well last year. So it's called Rearrangement, and it's literally musical theatre songs in a very very heavily reimagined way. So like one of my favourites on the album is Faye from Steps sings Hello Young Lovers from The King and I, but it's like a sort of slowed down kind of Disney ballad version and she sounds so lovely. Yeah. Um, like, so yeah, it's stuff like that really. So that's one of the things that I'm proudest of because I, because literally nobody wanted that except for me. Like nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, do you know what I really want today is with one look from Sunset Boulevard, but it's a sexy stripper number. <laughs> nobody has ever <laughs> wanted that. So but I did, so I did it. And, you know, we managed to do shows, I managed to make an album and it kind of, yeah, it's one of the only things that I've really done by myself and for myself. But sometimes you have to do that. It I mean, I would ask like, um, me stalking your social media and keeping up to date with you that you've been incredibly, incredibly busy with sort of concerts and those sort of, you know, the sort of live streams of that. So what have you been working on uh, over the last few months? Um, so... I well, well, I worked on a short musical Sound. called The Space Between, which Caroline Kay and David Hunter wrote uh, and asked me to come on board to essentially like judge their singer songwriter songs into something that felt a little bit more full and a little bit more musical theatre. And that was so lovely. Um, we none of the three of us had ever met each other. So that was an entirely digitally conducted project. And so that was really, really lovely. And then when we started being able to leave the house a little bit, but not a lot, we uh, did Intermissions, which was a live stream starring and hosted by Alice Fern, conceived and directed by Kirk Jameson. And that was basically a series of four concerts in her back garden over June, but it was more high tech than that sounds. It was a big learning experience and it was so, so much fun because that was the first time I'd heard someone other than myself, sing in person for about four months. Which must have sounded so good. Especially when it was her as well. It's not just like, oh, your auntie from up the street. Yeah, she was phenomenal. And it was so, I felt like a kid on a sugar high. Like I could not sit down, but I was also absolutely exhausted by the sheer adrenaline of it all. I was a mess. It was so good. Fantastic. It was so good. So you've done quite a few of these concerts, uh, especially in the past with... Um, sort of, you know, Ramin Karamloo and um, Carrie Ellis that I was sort of reading on your website. Um, so a performer comes to you and says they want to do a gig. How do you start that uh, process off? Ooh, it's interesting because sometimes 
the performers have a really clear concept of what they want to do. And sometimes it's just that they feel like they're at stage in their career when the next logical step is to kind of have their own show or to at least do their own cabaret, but they don't really know what to put into it. So like Kelly Matheson, who um, plays Christine in Phantom, she came to me and said, you know, it's about time I did something like this, but I literally don't know where to begin in terms of song choices. So you kind of sit down and say, well, what actually, beyond the musical theatre shows that you've done, what musically interests you and kind of what do you like and how do you bring that into your sort of personal narrative? So with her, we ended up doing this lovely thing where she did a lot of Scottish folk songs because she's Scottish, as well as sort of Phantom of the Opera covers in a slightly folky way. Some of her other influences like kind of Judy Garland, people like that. You sort of, yeah, get to know the performer and think about how to put together a show that sums up their career, but also kind of a bit more about who they are as a person. So the audience gets to know the person as well as just the, the actor, the front facing bit. If you yeah, that's I mean. really interesting. Nice how you can sort of get things that they're interested in as well to, you know, bring that together. And also, you know, in her case, a show that she's on, rearranging some of the sort of songs she sings eight, eight, eight times a week. Well, exactly, because I think that you're aware as a performer that if you're currently in a big show like Alice in Wicked or Kelly in Phantom, if you don't sing songs from those shows at your cabaret, the audience especially the fans of those shows who've come specifically to see that moment, would feel a bit short-changed if they didn't do it. But, you know, if you've sung Defying Gravity eight times a week for two years, you probably want to do it a little bit differently, not only because, you know, you don't have a full ensemble and you're not going to fly. So you kind of want to, yeah, give it a new spin and make it feel fresh to yourself as well as to the people who have heard it so many times before. Sound like a wizard, Nick, creating all these... Oh, wizard, yeah. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, it's when it when when the idea arrives, I always think it's about the concept. As soon as there's a clear concept for what a cover version is in my head, it then kind of writes itself. But if that concept doesn't appear, that's when it is tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So these obviously these that's the sort of the gig part of your career that you sort of you know you can do this. Um, you know, at certain points, but you know, you also have been involved in Zorro recently, which I'm sure has taken up a lot of your time. So Zorro, which is, was at the Hope Mill, obviously sounded like a really exciting project. Can you just give me a glimpse into your day in terms of like the rehearsal process and where you were before we hit lockdown? Oh. Well, we'd we'd just finished our second preview, and that was when it all went wrong in terms of yeah. Uh, lockdown things oh it was so good though it was absolutely excellent so the Gypsy Kings wrote the music for Zorro kind of under the instruction of James Cameron and so it's all this really heavily fun colourful Spanish music and so it's the perfect show to be actor musicianized if that is a phrase it is now because well it is because it's so flamenco and Spanish music is so physical mm. and it's kind of hard to separate like flamenco is an art form that is music and dance so of course you want to see both of those things on the stage so the guitarists were there we had trumpets bass uh, strings whirling around the stage and it was just absolutely delightful so all of the big numbers I'd rewritten 
for the actors that I knew we had before we went into rehearsals. But then it was about in the rehearsal process, sort of building it with them from the sort of the blueprints essentially that I'd brought. So it was like nothing was set in stone, but there was enough on the page to work with. So we had a starting block on day one. So it's kind of like a cross between doing it in advance and devising. It's a little bit of both, which I think is how you've always got to work with acting musicians because if something comes naturally to them, but it's not what you've written on the page, just yeah, you've got you've got to be open to suggestions, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, I'm not a violinist. I'm not. Yeah, a yeah. So, how long were you working on it before day one of rehearsals? Uh, not that long, really, because it came together quite quickly. I would say, I mean, over the period of about a month, but I wasn't working on it day in day out because. I had other stuff to do. So I probably only spent like the equivalent of a solid week rewriting the show before rehearsals day one. And then I took, yeah, took that to day one and built from there. Yeah. And is the plan once theatre explodes back to life to go back to that show? I mean, I, yeah, I think so. I think if I, if I trust any producer to make a triumph out of adversity, it would be Katie Lipson just because her determination is absolutely second to none. And as we've already seen, you know, she's done this brand new immersive show, Contact. She's reopened the last five years at Southwark. So when the time is right and when the venue is right, I'm absolutely certain she will bring Zorro back. Because I think like it's the kind of show that people will want to see because it's so much fun. It's just pure joy and escapism. And we are all going to need a dose of that. Yeah, completely agree. So obviously that is all your sort of side of, you know, the musical and uh, musical direction and um, sort of composing. But uh, can you quickly just say about your time at Oxford? You uh, you had a sort of sm- a small group, didn't you, which uh, appeared on our screens. Can you just uh, just remind me of, uh, of that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> Fine. So, I mean, like, I, I'm very, very uh, glad for that time because I don't think I probably would have gotten into musical theatre at least not through the same roots in the same way if it weren't for being in this singing group called which was called out of the blue and it still exists it's just one of those things that you know it is based at Oxford you know you might join it for a year or two whilst you're there um and it's yeah so it's it's an all-male acapella group so it's basically you know no instruments or anything it's just human voices but doing sort of well, modern to the time pop covers. So we, you know, we were singing when I was there back in the day, it was stuff like Poker Face and Use Somebody by Kings of Leon, if we remember those like... Absolute tunes. Um, Absolute (laughs) tunes. Um, And so, yeah, it was... That was the first time I think I thought that musical direction was any kind of job because I led that group for a year in my second year. And so I was in charge of doing all the vocal arrangements for the group and rehearsing it. And even though it was a student group, I think just by the sheer fact that, well, it's been around for a while. And also because it's these kind of like, you know, there is something that people tended to find a bit entertaining about guys from Oxford's in suits, but singing poker face. But Nick, let's, let's so not pretend was, you, you know, like, you put these guys on the map. I mean, where did you end up? We, so we did Britain's Got Talent. We got to the semi-finals and that was, it was very, very fun. And we had, we got a lot of 
gigs and work off the back of that, which we were trying to do alongside university. It was very, very hectic, but it was, yeah, it was excellent. And, you know, after that, I think my first proper musical direction job in theatre, I essentially uh, got because the person who I was being interviewed by had heard of Out of the Blue and had seen it. So it was like the, it was the only thing on my CV really yeah. at that point. So it was all I had. Yeah. But no, yeah, I mean, no, because no, knowing you then, I remember, you know, watching it, watching you guys get to the semifinals and it was so exciting, wasn't it? So fun. It was exciting. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I forgot that I even, yeah, of course I knew you back then because I knew you from before that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like so long ago. Well, I mean, you know, it sounds like you've been keeping very busy and obviously there's so many more projects. I'm sure you've already got in the pipeline more gigs, more concerts, more things to rearrange. But uh, Nick, this has been so lovely to catch up with you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a joyful experience. Mm -hmm.